The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. My esteemed co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, is out on a cruise now, so she won't be with us. But I'm really excited to talk to you about positive psychology and how do you bring positive psychology into coaching and or if you are a leader. So today we have Sandra L. Foster, Dr. Sandra L. Foster. She is a co-author with Dr. Jeff Auerbach of the book, A Positive Psychology in Coaching, Applying Science to Executive and Personal Coaching. So I'm really excited to talk with uh, Dr. Foster. She and I are both faculty on the College of Executive Coaching that Dr. Jeff Auerbeck started. I've been on since uh, 2001, and we'll bring, when we ask Sandra how long she's been involved, but the two of them have collaborated on a book that I'm really excited to dig into. Uh, one of the virtues of having our radio shows that we have here that now Kathy and I have had for nine years is it allows me as a psychologist and executive coach to delve deeper into things that I'm interested in and I think will be interesting for our audience. And positive psychology has been um, an, an interest for a long time. So we'll delve deeper uh, into the book, and uh, we have some questions for Dr. Foster here, and we'll um, hear from her in just a moment. Let me give you a little bit of uh, background about her, and then I'm going to go into a, a little bit about our show, and then we'll uh, bring on Dr. Foster. So she combines research-based methods and insightful understanding of individual behavior in an organizational context and has a strong focus on business results. She's dedicated to assisting women and emerging leaders from non-traditional backgrounds uh, or born abroad in enhancing their effectiveness and self-knowledge. So Dr. Foster or Sandra has had an incredible background. Um, I'll just share some of this right now. She's got an extensive cross-cultural background. She's worked with companies in Germany, Finland, Switzerland, Russia, Italy, and Belgium. Uh, She's trained in conversational intelligence, which is something developed by Judith Glasser. That may be one of her questions we'll get into a little bit more. But she has a specialty in peak performance. And she has worked with uh, athletes and musicians, and we'll ask her a little bit of how she bring in some of that. Uh, she is the founder of Success at Work, which is her uh, consulting firm, and she coaches uh, sales professionals and business leaders to develop resilience and optimize their skills and thrive in a challenging economy. And so she brings this 
to actors, musicians, creative artists, athletes, preparing for auditions, competition, uh, recovery from setbacks, injuries, and mastering the mental game. Like I mentioned, she's been uh, a part of the College of Executive Coaching since 2001, so basically almost the same time as, as I got started. And one of the classes that she leads there is a, an applied positive psychology class. She's also worked for Corn Ferry International from December 2004 through February and has a wealth of experience you know, working with C-suite uh, succession planning. So uh, before we bring her on, a couple things just about our show. So I mentioned we're in our ninth year. We're the number two ranked business show on Voice America. And we have over a million downloads over the last four years. So somewhere around 30,000 or so downloads a month. And what that means over the last nine years, you can select any of those shows to download on iTunes or you go to Voice America and look at our show, Leadership Development News, under the Business Network and have access for free to these downloads where we just interview great people like uh, Dr. Foster here. So quick background for me. Um, I am a licensed psychologist, master certified coach, um, have a book called Leading with Emotional Intelligence. And a lot of the things that I do is around uh, emotional intelligence. There is a free iPhone app called Leadership Keys that you can get if you have an iPhone, has videos and some of the tools that I use. And also there is a, uh, off my website, EI Central, um, you go True North Leadership uh, forward slash EI Central, and there's a lot of free tools, or you can uh, text EI Central to 38470, 38470, and you can get a, f- a fair amount of tools. I also have a... Uh, blog on psychology today with now over 111,000 reads, so you can get that. Dr. Kathy Greenberg, who's not with us, who's enjoying her cruise now, has been named the first lady of uh, happiness on ABC TV. She has uh, many best-selling books, uh, What Happy Working Mothers Know. She touches millions in the in-demand speaker, TV, radio, and media personality. She has founded four different uh, consultancies, three different leadership institutes, now her latest number one best-selling books is um, Sharpen Your Focus and works with special forces, uh, sports athletes, and Sharpen Your Focus is available on Amazon. And you can hear more from Kathy at her fearlessleadersquiz.com, fearlessleadersquiz.com. And uh, she has a free iPhone app called Your Happiness Now. So we always like to interview folks, give you a few different tips on things that you can do to raise your leadership, whether it's a uh, individually or a, lead, a leader. And uh, Dr. Foster, let me welcome you to the show. Hey, Relly, one of my favorite people from the College of Executive Coaching. Nice to be with you. Thanks. Yeah, so I guess we started basically right about the same time, 2001, with Dr. Jeff Auerbach. Yes. And uh, I guess the college started, uh, we'll give the college a little plug here, I think it was in uh, 2008 or 2009, is that right? Actually, oh, I'm sorry. Like, had oh, started teaching, I think, even in uh, the year 2000, yeah. had begun getting things up and running, and then it got more and more formal. So you and I were 
two of the very lucky people to be invited in from the very beginning. I know that has been great. And so last time I talked with Jeff, I didn't realize the College of Executive Coaching was the number 19 uh, school uh, as a training institute. Now I guess there must be 160, 170 or so. And one of the unique things, like we know, is we get great students. You have to have a master's or a Ph.D., which is a, a distinction, distinction to get into the college. That's right. Yeah, and it means that we've got amazing people from business backgrounds. Some have been in um, pastoral work. Some have been in the military. So people have MBAs. Um, we have people who are shifting what they do to coaching from being psychotherapists or, you know, in other forms of uh, the mental health profession. So I think we're really lucky to have the students we have. It's really a privilege. So I enjoy very much co-teaching the Positive Psychology course. And I've done that for years since... Right, I know. I've, I've, sat, in a, I've sat in a couple different times, so that's been great. So, um, Sandra, tell me a little bit. We like to kind of find out a little bit about people's background to kind of better understand uh, when we talk about the content. You know, who's been some of the people who have been most influential in your life and career as a leader? Well, as I say in my dedication to the book, I'm acknowledging my life partner, Rolf, um, you know, for helping me understand the, the value of love over time. We've been together a long time, and I have helped raise two wonderful stepsons, but I would go to my parents first. My father was an optimistic person, also altruistic. He was a businessman, and he really made it a point to teach my sisters and me about tolerance, so differences around culture, race, and religion. And we were growing up in uh, a a part of the Midwest where that was unusual, so it it really stands out for me now as I come to appreciate it more and more. My mother was an early feminist and an activist for the Equal Rights Amendment, so she was talking about tolerance for different political points of view, um, and as well... uh, very much uh, an early advocate of tolerance around sexual orientation. So if if either of them were with us today, they would have a lot to say about the current (laughs) issues. I had wonderful professors also at Stanford. So three of them, Al Bandura uh, was in his social learning class, one of my favorite A-pluses when I was a Ph.D. student at Stanford. Phil Zimbardo, uh, just magnificent around his early work on shyness and later on crowds and certainly the Stanford prison experiment. And then um, someone whose name might not be so recognizable, but just a a cherished colleague is John Crumboldt, who was one of the people that helped me learn about consultation early in my career. So I have been really blessed. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, is... is, uh... Uh, Bandura still alive? Yes, he is. Um, he's Professor Emeritus still at Stanford. He's not actively involved in research, but he always has wonderful things to say. When mm. people ask him, I haven't seen him for some time, 
Um, and Phil is very active on LinkedIn and continues to write and publish. Yeah, well, so you've been with uh, two of the uh, foundational leaders in psychology, you know, yeah. it, psychology itself. You know, you and I both being psychologists is still a relatively young profession, but you've uh, been mentored by some of the key people. That's uh, so impressive. Uh, it it was great fun being there as a student, and then I was invited to teach my former peers. Um, so I spent time on the faculty, the regular faculty, and then I stayed as an adjunct faculty member for a number of years. Wonderful, wonderful learning environment. And it taught me the importance of looking at the underlying research behind what any psychotherapist would do, which was my early career, and certainly that informs what Jeff and I were doing about bringing science mm. into the applications yeah. that we talk about in the book. So one of the things I don't know, and this was kind of fun for us to have this conversation here, uh, were you actually doing therapy for a while before you switched to coaching? Because I know, I think for me it was probably, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years before I switched from a psychologist in private practice to doing coaching. How about for you? Well, it, it was a wonderful um, background to have. So I was in a cognitive behavioral therapy um, practice, highly research-based, at Stanford and around, you know, uh, pre-doc at Stanford Medical Center in psychiatry and behavioral mm. medicine. I mean, just fabulous training. And then later trained in trauma response. Wow. And I did um, volunteer work with, firefighters and EMTs, other emergency responders. So I was interested in psychotherapy, but I always wanted to look, and this was not so popular then, but always wanted to look at what was right with people, which is what positive psychology is about, and how people could actualize their strengths. So very influenced by the human potential movement, so right. I gradually kept shifting toward coaching without even understanding or having a word for yeah. where I was going. And uh, then finally got formal training in right. uh, 2000. Well, that's really interesting to hear. Um, and so we're going to go to our first break, and then we'll come back and hear more uh, about your coaching with athletes and performers and, and then you know the interest in uh, positive psychology. So this is Leadership Development News. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately 
you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development Profile Top Performers. We're talking with Dr. Sandra Foster, who is a top performer and actually works with top performers to help them in their uh, performance. And I know, uh, Sandra, when we first met, um, you know, I was very excited. I took some of your classes that you had with the College Executive Coaching and Peak Performance. So tell us a, a little bit, how, you know, how did you get started? Cause we talked about some of the background you had, you know, getting trained in as a psychologist in therapy, but shifting over to kind of more performance and, and positive psychology. Well, I'd have to say that the shift from psychotherapy to coaching was really well informed by being trained in sports psychology. Mm. And that got started because I had the great good fortune again to be the teaching assistant for Bruce Ogilvie, who's considered grandfather of sports psychology. I was getting my master's at San Jose State, and um, he took me on, and I stayed with him over the course of two years as his teaching and research assistant. And at that time, uh, the Association for the Advancement of Applied Sports Psychology was doing credentialing in Mm -hmm. sports psychology. So I took a whole year of master's level sports psychology training at University of Nevada, Reno, and trained with some excellent people, but Bruce himself as a mentor was amazing. But I've been around some of the very best people in the field, you know, who are academics and researchers. And so that helped me form different ways of doing peak performance work. was focusing a lot on dancers, which is my sport. And if you don't think a ballerina isn't an athlete, you haven't watched us do our plies anyway. Um, so I don't know. Did you grow up dancing? I I think it's fair to say I did. <laughs> yep. Okay. And still have that kind of dancer's discipline. I studied with a a Russian teacher. It's probably a little heavy-handed, but yeah, yeah. It just was around wonderful people doing team sports. My focus ended up being more on individual sports. Uh-huh. So I I helped out at Stanford with the fencing team. They went off to the Olympics with women's gymnastics. And uh, I worked with a fair number of golfers and also co-authored a golf book for women, which you may not know about, Three Shot Golf for Women with Janet Coles, who's Uh. a retired LGBT. You know what I mean. She played on the tour 
right, right. is Helping now me. teaching. Yeah. That's that's uh, amazing. Well, you know, and I, and you probably do or, or maybe not know, you know, I grew up playing sports, played played uh, football and basketball in high school, and even college played for a couple years of football, um, and then switched over to, as a medium, uh, working with folks doing outdoor adventure programs as kind of the, the medium right, of, you know, of soccer. Of course. Yeah, Isn't it fun to talk did. like this because we can revive these? <laughs> I, know. I remember that about you, really. <laughs> of course. But so all those things inform our work that we do today. Say that again? All these things that we used to do really inform oh, yeah. the way that we work with people today and the kind of work that we do. Well, I, I love that quote, and I'm sure you saw it with, with athletes. Show me a Socrates supposedly said, I don't know if you've already said this, but show me a person on the ball field, and I'll tell you more about him in an hour than to be in discussion with him or her, you know, for eight hours. Ah, yes. On the field, on the track, on the ice, yes, absolutely. You see a lot about someone when they're training, when they're rehearsing, Uh and when they're competing, absolutely. So how did... So I guess it's a natural step, you know, from sports psychology uh, into positive psychology. So say a little bit, you know, more about that because I know you've done, you know, you've been definitely one of the leaders in the field and uh, and your book, to say again for folks, Positive Psychology in Coaching, uh, you and Jeff have done a phenomenal job, and I mentioned earlier, just having to kind of thumb through it and also being, you know, evidence-based and, uh, and love and research, uh, you've done an incredible job really pulling together so many different uh, applications and concepts, you know, in, into a really uh, user-friendly book. So how did that, you know, how did positive psychology come about, and then maybe the book from there? <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, that there's a nice connection with the peak performance and sports psychology part in the shift from coaching But I was really interested in, um, speaking of shifts, Seligman made a shift, a really significant one, from learned helplessness to learned optimism. And I just found that so intriguing. So I was reading about optimism in 1991 and 92, and at that time I was starting to work with salespeople, and he had done a study with insurance salespeople, showing that those who were more optimistic than pessimistic sold more insurance policies and also stayed with their firm longer. Now, this is also, uh, it would have to be said, I'm going to talk like a scholar here, this is controlling for aptitude in sales. But there was a very significant difference in number of policies sold between those most optimistic versus those who were most pessimistic Mm -hmm. in his assessment of optimism. And that just intrigued me. So that got me going, um, started reading about the people that he pulled together. Uh, There was a seminal article in the American Psychologist, which is the flagship journal of the American Psychological Association. This was published in the year 2000 with guest editors, Marty, and uh, Mahali Chiksamahai. Now, Marty had also been a past president of mm-hmm. American Psychological Association. 
So I actually heard him speak, was sitting in the front row, talking about his mission around positive psychology. Wow. That was 1998. Yeah. So have just had, you know, wonderful up-close and personal influences, but just, again, the human potential movement, this all feels like it could flow from many years living in the San Francisco Bay Area, being around people like Andrew Weil and hearing about Maslow and just just some wonderful folks, lovely influences. I feel very lucky. Uh, and so that was early on, and I know through the college you've been teaching the you know positive psychology class. And I think for you know for our listeners, this is uh, Martin Seligman is, is supposedly the father of positive psychology. And I remember Sandra, my doctoral program, there was one class in the healthy personality. Everything else was <laughs> you know maladaptive psychotherapy, yeah. you know all the testing stuff. And so everybody loved the one class and healthy personality. And, and it is interesting when we think about working with executives and leaders, how important it is and, how, and what you think and how you think that for whatever reason it is, we always thought let's, get, let's be experts about the problem. And that will somehow inform us to solutions. And I think we know from positive psychology and strength-based, you know, it's probably a better focus being an expert about what did work versus about what didn't work. Maybe you can say a little bit about kind of how that led into your work. Well, and and that would, you know, just to, to echo these early fathers or, or founders, you know, what is the positive psychology field about? So it's a domain. It's a subdomain within psychology. But it emphasizes flourishing and strengths and positive emotions, including love and, and happiness and what's right with people versus what's wrong. Mm-hmm. I would, and, and that's one of the aspects of the book, I take a balanced view that we do need to look at, um, and this I think was a real new and unusual contribution to our book, how strengths can be overused and mm-hmm. also the importance of learning from negative emotions mm-hmm. and paying attention to when really great leaders can show their dark side, which can be through the overuse of strengths. Right. But I was so happy to see this subdomain start to emphasize what can we do um, to find out and help people thrive and focus more on the positive emotions. You know, and I think when we do uh, coaching, and you and I you know, do uh, a fair amount of that with folks, that just talking about strengths and um, in the sense of honoring where they're at, to me is, uh, I find people are so much more motivated by that and they're uplifted by that. And then you use the word, you know, flourish uh, from Seligman's book, you know, and we've, we've interviewed him in the past. Um, but you can just see kind of the uplifting. And, you know, one of the things I always talk about in the classes that I teach um, about the curative factors in psychotherapy you know, it's always the relationship and then installation of hope. And I think in coaching, oh. that installation of hope is critical, you know, that people go, oh, I can get better here. This is something I can learn. I can improve on this. Well, that and, yes, the work on mindset, I can get better, um, I can believe, I can improve, uh, failures and setbacks can be seen as just things I can learn from. So that very uplifting, 
promise of hope, and that's probably one of the um, elements in positive psychology I get most excited about, especially yeah. these days when life is pretty challenging for many people. How do you engender hope? How do you keep it alive? How do you help yourself get up and dust yourself off when things don't go quite as planned? Right, right. Well, this is great, uh, Sandra. Let me just give your uh, website, and then we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back um, and get more into kind of the specifics. So, one, if you're interested in positive psychology in coaching, um, is a book by uh, Dr. Foster and Dr. Auerbach. And uh, Sandra's website that I'm sure you can get the book at your website, Sandra? Um, better to go directly to Amazon or even order it from the College of Executive Coaching. Okay. So Amazon is probably easy, or the College of Executive Coaching. Um, but Sandra's website is www.sandralfosterphd, sandralfosterphd.com. And so yes. we're going to go to the next break, and then we'll be right back. So you're going to listen to Leadership Development Series. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, whatheavyworkingmothersknow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Profile practice of top performers. We're talking with Dr. Sandra Foster, who is one of the senior um, faculty members of the College of Executive Coaching. And we're highlighting the book that she and Dr. Jeff Auerbach wrote, Positive Psychology and Coaching. You can get that on Amazon. Full of great tips. You know, if you are a leader 
or a coach, uh, plenty of stuff uh, in here that you can immediately apply and all evidence-based. So, um, Sandra, say a little bit more just about, uh, before we get into the, the some more of the tools, about just the, the word positive and using the word positive, you know, how do you define that or, or how is that unique? Well, uh, one of the things about the book was, and you're one of our contributors, was the real importance to us of bringing together experts to offer their points of view. And so we had the great joy of James Powelski, who's the head of the Masters in Applied Positive Psychology at University of Pennsylvania, recruited by Marty Seligman. He contributed to the book and talks about positive is not very well defined. And so he raises questions. Does it mean the absence of everything negative? Does it mean just having the best things in life? That's more the hedonic uh, perspective. Or is it about creating the best life that we can have, a life with meaning? And that is the tie-in between Mm. positive psychology and well-being if we take the eudaimonic, the uh, Aristotle perspective that we should live a good and meaningful life. Mm-hmm. So this gets at well-being, health, safety, connectedness, purpose, involvement in the community. So James does a very nice job of addressing that in the book. Yeah, so that's, that is good. And I know that kind of uh, informs some of the stuff that uh, Martin Seligman did with his authentic happiness and, you know, and, and what's, you know, what's meaningful for folks. Um, so say, uh, how about, you know, how is this book a little different than maybe other books on positive psychology? Well, there have been some books, uh, written for coaches on uh-huh. positive psychology coaching. So we, we really acknowledge them and, and feel like they, they've been a great contribution. What we wanted to do, though, was pull out some things that we thought were still missing uh-huh. One was um, what happens when you overuse strengths. Yeah. What happens when you're not culturally sensitive in applying mm. positive psychology? And what happens if you don't assess a, per- uh, a person's competencies mm. as well as their strengths when they're trying to make changes in the workplace? Okay. And we felt... Uh, these would be really important uh, contributions that we hadn't seen before. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's delve into some of those um, because I think they're really good. Maybe the first one, because it'll lead us into some of the others, is the difference that you're saying between a competency and a strength. How do you see those differences? This is good. A strength is is something that um, we are predisposed um, to feel we're good at or drawn to or demonstrate, whereas an actual competency is a skill uh, that, that can be documented and measured, and competencies are pretty important in the workplace because they are the very things that people are... Um, performance managed by. Uh So 
what I've found, and, and this, I think, comes from years working in leadership development in, you know, a group like Corn Ferry, who one of the ultimate, you know, consulting firms you could work with, but just raising my awareness of how important it is for, as a coach was to think, okay, what is the person bringing to the workplace? There are strengths that they could probably deploy really well at work. Right, right. But are they competent in the actual skills that they need to do their job well and also fulfill the company's strategy? You've got to tie the strategy to those competencies too. Right. So we really pull that out in a case study in the book, and we think huh. it's helpful to our readers. So let me just see if I uh, kind of summarize that. So for the strength, people are drawn to it. They feel good about it. It sounds like what you're, the distinction you're making with the competency is this is documented that they are really good at this skill. Um, so there's some kind of measurement piece. Is that well, along the lines of what you're saying? I'll make a further distinction. So one of my values and action strengths is gratitude. Mm-hmm. And I'll share a takeaway with before we part company today. But um, so I've learned that expressing gratitude is something I enjoy doing. I like the feeling I get back from it. I like the response I get from people. And it helps me focus on uh, what's working in my life, what's positive versus mm-hmm. something else. Now, I have a competency in client management, but that's different from employing my strength of gratitude. I might express gratitude to my client mm-hmm. um, for our good work together, but I, I have many discrete behaviors that go into being highly competent in client management mm-hmm. and being able to sell, continue work, because the client's really happy. Right. But I don't confuse the two. Yeah. And one of the things that I was measured on and bonused and rewarded for at Corn Ferry was my competency in client management. I see. Not my strength and gratitude. Right, right. Okay, that's a great distinction. So a, a strength can kind of roll up possibly to a competency, but it sounds like it's really the kind of the measurement against some goals, against what maybe the mission vision is of the organization, that you know, now it's documented to say, okay, so now so-and-so is competent in that, which may, bring, may include a bunch of different strengths. It, it could. So I work closely in my executive coaching engagements with the boss, with HR. Do you have a competency framework? Um, how has this person been performance managed and measured on this before? The goals that this coaching right. is supposed to be working on in the workplace, what are the competencies necessary yeah. in order to meet those goals? So that's what I'll be looking at, assessing, and getting inputs from other people in the organization uh-huh. to help me with the client structure those goals and action yeah. plan. Huh. Okay, that's good. And... Uh... And you said there's a case study in in the book that kind of highlights that even more. There is. Is that the one that you did or someone else did? Because I know Leah. Uh, that is my case study. Okay, great. Of an so, actual client, yeah. So if people want more kind of background in that distinction, one to get the book, and then specifically in what Dr. Foss is telling us about that case study. The other 
piece that you said that was a highlight that both you and Jeff wanted to focus on, and I know it's been a you know a focus. And I think uh, so. My uh, contribution is 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 in aligning those lines around stretching strengths, but is that whole idea of overusing strengths? Um, say a little bit more about that because. Like we said around positive psychology, I found, and I use that similar concept, that that's such an easier sell, if you will, for someone I'm coaching, is, oh, you have a strength, but you may be overusing this. Um, let's talk about that. One, are you aware of it? You know, And are you aware that now, and I use that term, crossed over. Now you've crossed over. You're no longer in the strength area. But that seems to be so much more palatable for someone to hear than dealing with, oh, you have all these areas you got to get better at. <laughs> I think you're right on that one, really. <laughs> and uh, one of our contributors is a good friend of mine, Rob Kaiser, and uh-huh. he's worked a lot with Robert Hogan. I, he's just so wonderful at, at assessment. But one of his real contributions is kind of like, you know, the bears and the porridge. Is it? Too yeah. cold, too hot, or just right. So getting right. strengths just right is one of his real contributions. Huh. He wrote a book called The Perils of Accentuating the Positive, which is one of my little Bibles, and he helped us with the chapter on Too Much of a Good Thing is the huh. chapter's title. Uh-huh. And he helps us remind our readers um, a competency like action-focused thinking, for example, right. you know, being able to go from uh, problem-solving analysis to, okay, that's it, let's move it, and go to implementation quickly. Yeah. If overused, um, the person can just sort of fire and then aim or run amok over yeah. other people and not really be utilizing... Um, thoughtfulness, careful yeah. strategic analysis, and so on. And, and you could even be um, too empathic or even mm-hmm. too nice in the workplace. So empathy is great in understanding your employees and your coworkers. Um, someone who's displaying positive emotions like niceness, that's great. But overused, what that looks like is you're probably going to avoid conflict. You may not address important shortcomings you see in other people. You might make exceptions if people are, you know, not meeting a standard. And you may not be taken seriously. You might lose credibility. So uh, this is really important, um, Sandra, and we're going to go to our last break, but maybe let's come back and maybe talk about this just a little bit more. So this is Leadership Development News. And you've been listening to Dr. Sandra Foster uh, in our interview about her book with Dr. Jeff Auerbach, Positive Psychology and Coaching. And we'll be right back. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action. Fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom. They embrace the courage to fail. 
They respond to challenges with resilience. They operate from a higher consciousness, and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's ROL, or return on leadership. You can, too. Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you're truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're talking with a top-performing coach, Dr. Sandra Foster. And uh, Sandra, before the break, we were just talking a little bit more about overuse strength, and I just wanted to highlight that a little bit, just because um, <clears throat> when I talk about that, and uh, I, I have a, in a current Psychology Today blog, um, have alluded to that as one of the actions. Sometimes I call that success in excess. And, and just to get your comment, um, why I like that as, as a tool for people, it's really most of the time I would tell people, stay with your strength. You're doing great. You know, don't change. It's kind of a don't change message, but be aware of when you've crossed over. And the good news is an overused strength may only happen one or two times out of ten, depending on the person. And so going back to installation of hope, someone says, oh, I got to be aware of one or two times out of ten that I'm using this too much. It's too cold. It's too hot. And and one is the awareness, and two is what strategies do they have to kind of get you know try something different. So I would absolutely support that and and say we don't want people to get discouraged about using their strengths, but really raise their awareness because um, as Rob has shown in his book, the research really makes clear that overused strengths, you know, really done to excess, can be derailers right. for people. Yep. And I don't think that that's brought out solidly yep. enough, so we really strive to make the point without thumping people over the head. But I think that, going back to what we said, I think to me, for coaching executives, that's so much easier for them to hear, and therefore I think they're more motivated you know, and then when I go into, it's one or two times out of 10, you know, I have this 85% rule. 85% of the time, you're probably exactly where you need to be. But to mm-hmm. get into the top 10%, could you be aware of now this, in this particular situation, I'm doing it too much awareness, and then adjustment, what do I need to do differently? And so, that speaks to really getting feedback from others. I mean, creating 
Uh, I think it's very positive to create a, a culture that invites transparency and openness about feedback, you know, up and down and sideways. Yeah. So from your subordinates, your peers, who tend to be a little more negative, the research tells us, than others, in uh-huh. telling you how you're doing, and then certainly your superiors. So that that's one way that you can help uh, your coaches track how they're doing, right. encouraging them around 360s and regular, you know, on-the-spot feedback in real time. Yeah. That's so good. Um, so say a little bit about the cultural sensitivity, because that was also one of the, your and Jeff's focus is, is something different about the book. Um, so how was that brought in, and maybe any comments you want to make about that? Well, that, that was something very important to both of us, again, that we didn't really see in the other positive psychology coaching books. So I would have to say, having I'm married to a European, I lived outside the U.S. in Europe for nearly a decade. I worked in London, lived in Italy, worked in Italy, and have been all over the place. Uh-huh. And it certainly raised my awareness about the importance of cross-cultural savvy Right. and sensitivity and language and values. So one of our contributors was a colleague of mine from Italy, um, Antonella Della Fave, professor at the University of Milan, an MD, and she was one of the people um, who worked closely with uh, Chiksamahai and did lots of cross-cultural studies. So she makes a significant contribution to the book, and I just want to raise some of the points. I mean, mm-hmm. it that she has in her section in our book. You know, firstly, as coaches, to be aware of our own cultural maybe boundedness, our own cultural background, beliefs, and values, and then having cultural knowledge about the coachee with whom we're working, developing cultural sensitivity. That, that we respect differences and don't assume that we can export anything that was developed in the U.S. and have it heartily received mm-hmm. overseas. Even Seligman found out that that was uh, not the case. And then she talks about cultural empathy, which I really love. Mm-hmm. I mean, to understand a coach's emotions, which might be expressed in very different ways. And then a a distinction that we highlight in the book through some of our other contributors is, is this a culture that's much more individually oriented like the U.S. or more group and family and community oriented as many Asian cultures are? Because the way that we would talk about the utility or even the relevance of positive psychology would be quite different based on that cultural difference. Well, that stuff is so, is so true. And I remember in my doctoral program, one of the, one of the uh, I guess it was an APA article about uh, standing in or standing out. And it was all about cultural sensitivity of, you know, Americans versus Asians. And the title says it, you know, you're standing out or you're standing in. Right. Um, and then also probably like you, for me, early in my career, I lived uh, in the Caribbean for two years. Uh, mostly because I, f- I felt I was just too Americanized and really wanted that cross-cultural experience. I lived in uh, St. Thomas, where it was you know two-thirds black West Indian, and, and lived as a minority, which was just really kind of heightened my awareness of exactly the stuff that you're saying. Oh, 
there's nothing quite like that kind of experience of having yeah. uh, yourself be in the minority. And for <laughs> me, it was both being in the minority and not understanding a single syllable of the language being spoken around me or languages mm-hmm. and relying on some emotional intelligences I had in sensing what yeah. was going on and reading nonverbal behavior to understand and then people yeah. would think I spoke the language because I was being appropriate. Because but those you're kind kinds of, yeah, of experiences you're kind of yeah, really raise our awareness, like yours in the Caribbean. Right, right. Well, so before we go, uh, let me give you your website again, but maybe what you can do is just share a couple of takeaways. And for people who want to get more information about Sandra, it's www.sandralfosterphd.com. So what would be a few takeaways? Well, we we talked about these different aspects that we think that make the book different, but one of the applications I think that is so relevant to coaching and, you know, beyond coaching and parenting and, and our relationships with friends and loved ones is how we express gratitude. So it, in the research, shows there's a benefit for the person expressing the gratitude. Of course, you can overdo it, um, as well as to generally the recipient, if you think about timing and the form in which you do it. So Seligman talks about in authentic happiness, making the gratitude visit. So writing a letter, but presenting it in person if the person's still alive, you know, calling and making uh, an appointment to visit. Um, certainly with uh, somebody who's not family, or even having a letter that you write to someone who's passed away and truly expressing what the person has meant to you, the kind of contribution they've made to your life. People are so moved to receive these visits, but the person doing it um, gains so much. So my coaches, even in business, although I'm really careful how I introduce this, um, are so stunned by how lingering the positive emotions are that they feel while preparing to do it, doing it, and then savoring, you know, thinking about deliberately the experience they had. That's huge. Um, and so you, do you do that with your uh, coaching clients? Do you have them write a letter or just kind of express it? Well, we we talk about the different ways it would be appropriate. I I work almost exclusively in uh, work settings. Yeah. So with C-level people, you've got to be careful what you introduce. Right, right. So we've gotten to know each other, and I might first talk about, well, at the end of the day, you might just take a moment or two to think about two things you're grateful for that happened that day. Yeah. Very open-ended. So we start there. Yeah. And then maybe expressing gratitude. So this is praise, and this helps right. increase engagement at work. Acknowledging, so showing gratitude for the discretionary effort, let's say, that the team showed yeah. or their administrative assistant showed, something like that, or a peer showed. So that's, Sandra, that's so powerful, and, um, and I'm glad we're kind of ending with that. And it's almost like people can't get enough of that, especially if it's genuine and, and specific. So, Absolutely. Um, 
Thank you very much. I know we could talk more about this, and hopefully we'll, you know, have some more opportunities personally, but then also maybe, to, you know, come back to some other aspects that, that are in your book, Positive Psychology in Coaching by Sandra Foster and Dr. Jeff Auerbach. So, Dr. Foster, thanks so much. I appreciate this. Thanks for taking the time to share some of your your gems and pearls of wisdom. appreciate it. My pleasure, really, especially to talk with you. Take care. This is Leadership Development News, uh, Profiles and Practice of Top Performers, so continue to tune in to tune up your performance. Thank you. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 